0: Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan.
1: Our first reading is from Psalm 104. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and renew the face of the earth. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and renew the face of the earth. the word of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Our second lesson is from the book of Acts, the second chapter, verses 1 through 13. This is only half of the Pentecost story, so I invite you, uh, when you get home, to go read the whole story and see how it all comes together. Listen now for the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come... And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia? Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, Lord, we ask that you just be here in this moment and be here as we move forward in faith. Let us hear good news found in the scriptures and found in our lives through Christ our Lord. Amen. There are times I wonder if I speak English. Now, I know I speak English, but there are times I don't know how to communicate in English. In February, I was in Jamaica at a school for the deaf, and I know I don't speak Jamaican sign language, but I was still working with a gentleman, and there was a bunch of students around, and we were mixing concrete, and he would speak to me at 100 miles an hour with his hands, and I had zero understanding of what he was saying, so then he realized that, and he would go to a more direct two, and then he'd point to water, And then he'd go three and he'd point to rock, five actually, and he'd point to sand. And we kind of muddled our way through, him all the while wondering why I don't understand and I all the while wondering how I don't understand. (laughs) Now, I wish this problem was limited to me speaking to people in other languages, but I had the same problem with my daughter's ninth grade math class. She had a moment of, oh, my goodness, and I thought, I've had this class. I've even had the four classes after it. So I got the math book before her, and I sat down and I read it. And I have to admit, I only recognize words like the and and. <laughs> I was no help reading math with my daughter. In my first church, we were building a new addition. I was 25, and we were, they wanted to grow the church and do an addition, wonderful things. And the building was coming together, and I get a call from my 65-year-old clerk session on a Monday night, and he said, Jim, wear your old clothes. We have work to do tomorrow. And I am positive we are paying people for this. I've been overseeing checks, and <laughs> I arrive, and I said, what are we doing? And he says, well, we have to pull all the telephone wire through the walls and through the ceiling before they hang the drop ceiling. And I said to him, didn't we have electricians? And he looked at me like I was the one who didn't understand English and said, why would I pay someone to do what we can do? And I was mystified because I, I haven't done it ever since I've done that. <laughs> and so we spent three hours and I wondered, I speak the language, but how come I don't understand? So the Jews gather in Jerusalem. They gather for a festival called the Festival of Weeks, which they, if if you were a Jew in a Greek world, they would call it Pentecost, this festival that we call the Festival of Weeks now, because Pentecost is a Greek word for 50th, and it's seven weeks times seven days since Passover. So Jews have gathered from all over, and you've heard the reading, from all over they have gathered. And this is an amazing time to be in Jerusalem, Because everybody is talking of Jesus of Nazareth, and other people are calling him Jesus the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, something the Jews have been talking about and dreaming about and praying for for hundreds of years. And there's all these talk of what Jesus has done. There's talk of what happened in what we call Holy Week. There's talk of Pilate's wife who said washed her hands of Jesus. There is talk of miracles. There is talk of crucifixion. There is talk of a stolen body and others say it's a resurrection. There is talk of resurrection appearances. There is talk of Jesus being back. What should we make of this? What does it mean when we hear stories could it be true? Jerusalem is a buzz. And now, some of the Jews understood that the Messiah would come in what is called now as the divine conqueror. And this language comes out of people understanding Isaiah and Zechariah, the later chapters. And it's this idea that when the Messiah comes, and some believe Judas believed this, that when the Messiah comes, it will be as a divine conqueror who will sweep Israel's and Jewish enemies off. And that when it come, when Jesus, and they didn't think it was Jesus, but they said, if Jesus is the Messiah, why is Rome still in charge? How come there isn't peace on earth? If the Messiah is to bring peace and Jesus is the Messiah, where is God in all this? And they must have asked themselves, are we speaking the same language? Because we're not understanding. In February, I was in California visiting a college with my daughter and my wife. And we went to see uh, my wife's cousin. We call him Dr. Tom. He is a Michigan grad, which is exciting. And he went on from there to get a Ph.D. in chemistry. He met his wife in grad school, and she has a PhD in chemistry, and they talk chemistry a lot. (laughs) He does cancer research. Uh, He actually invented a drug in his grad work that is in human trials, and he talks about what he does. And we've been talk- we were talking because he has stage 4 colon cancer. So he's a cancer researcher living with cancer. And he tells us about immunology therapies. He talks about the next wave. He says that the radiation treatments we're using now in a decade will look back and say are barbaric. He talks about being a patient zero in a study that is to begin soon. He talks about how he's trying to get research and communicate with Chinese cancer researchers, but the government of China will not allow that, so they have these special ways they are finding to communicate. He blogs, if you are interested, at a place called Adventures in Living Terminally Optimistic.com he speaks worldwide on what it's like to be a scientist who studies cancer and has cancer. I have to admit, half the conversation was way above. But one thing he said made so much sense. He said to me and my wife, I am a terrible church person. But I'm someone who knows God and someone who believes and hopes in God I didn't understand the science but I understood that I have a small poster in my office on the back side of the door where I see it every day and most people never see it and it's picture of the grand canyon and it's absolutely beautiful and it has a caption that says God forgives the canyon doesn't I think it could also say God forgives cancer doesn't, and maybe the Jews would say, God forgives, Rome doesn't. So the Jews have gathered in Pentecost celebration, and they're hearing these stories of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, and they're asking, are these Jesus stories true? Could he be the Messiah? Could he be God's son? Our confirmation class is here, and they have spent the year wrestling with uh, They call her PB, Pastor Began, and myself and Diane and Carol. And they've wrestled with questions of faith. Can these stories be true? And they've asked questions that I have to admit I can't answer. And we've a few times said, well, we're going to have to get back to you. We'll have to look that one up. And they've asked questions about the Bible, of which we think we know, but we're not always certain. And some of the time we've had to come to the conclusion that there's things we don't know and things we take on faith. Well, soon they will stand before you, very soon, and they will profess their faith. They will say they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then a few minutes later, Steve McKenney, one of our elders, will ask all of us a question. And I want to ask it to you now to think about. Do we, the members of this congregation, promise to support, nurture, and sustain these newest members in their Christian journey. And we will say, we do. We do. do. And yet there's a part of us who think about that question and we think, can I, will I? Ah, because aren't there parts of the church that are just bewildering? Haven't you had moments as members of the church where you thought, oh, I love this place, but what? 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 And then we read our Bible, and we're in a Bible study, an adult study. We're hearing a sermon, maybe this one. And we're thinking, what? This is bewildering. This is amazing. The Jews are gathered in Jerusalem and the flames of the Spirit come and they strike each person who is a believer and each person who's thinking about it and thinking I'm open to it. And they come outside and they talk to the Jews and they talk to everyone and they talk in their native language and they talk, I think, in a way that they can communicate. They can speak to each one in a way that they can talk about who Jesus is. And hundreds of people realize and find that they want to know more about Jesus. And they decide they want to know. And do they get all their questions answered? I'm sure they don't. But some point we come to a point where we say, I don't need all the answers. We come to a point where we say, I can step out in faith. And we say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief that this Jesus who was God was born a baby and lived a human life, and lived a life of love, a Jesus, a person, a God, who could be crucified and say to all, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can we believe that Jesus is not just from Nazareth, but that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, from a God who is invisible, from a God who we can ask questions of in prayer, but we don't get the kind of answers we get from our social studies teacher. A God we pray to, and yet we have lots of questions remaining. We are bewildered, and yet this God says of us, before we can even ask all of our questions, My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And God says that of us. We were lost and we are found. These ten will soon profess their faith. We don't have all the answers yet but we will profess our faith, bewildered by this love of God. They will kneel, and we will pray for them. I invite you when we get to that point in the service to pray in your heart to renew your commitment to God. Your questions, I'm sure, are not all answered, but we can take a risk. We can take a step We can take a leap into faith. We can say yes, Lord, in our hearts. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.
2: Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you create us in love, pardon us with great patience, and inspire us to believe, serve, and testify to your grace with our lives and our gratitude. You bless us with the wonders of nature, the connections of family and friends, and the strength that comes from knowing you as our maker, defender, and redeemer. Your spirit blows where it wills and calls us to bridge divides and seek the welfare of all people. We thank you for all our many blessings and honor you with our devotion and praise. Today we give you special thanks, O Lord, for the young people who have professed their faith in you and their intent to serve you through the work and witness of this congregation. Bless them, each one, as they continue to grow in their faith, in their confidence in your goodness, and in their acceptance of your call on their lives. Help them develop the gifts you have given them and use them to your honor and glory. We pray your blessing upon their parents and their other family members and each of us in this church who covenants to walk alongside them in companionship and service. May all we do point to your grace and your truth. Holy God, we know that you create us all in love and desire life and health and wholeness for us all. We pray for those who are ill. For those who struggle to recover from injuries and accidents, for those facing job transitions or uncertainties, for those who are lonely or struggling against forces that feel overwhelming, replace anxiety with your peace. We pray for our members who are on pilgrimage to Iona, as well as for those who are far from home because of turmoil and disruption. Help us be agents of reconciliation and constructive change, modeling civility and respect for all. We make these prayers in the name of your Son, our risen Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another Sermon from First Press.